This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Libro FM. Get two books for the price of one with your first month of membership using the code BOOKSTACKED. Again, use promo code BOOKSTACKED when you start your membership at Libro.fm. Or check the show notes for a quick link to get started. Offer only valid for new members in the U.S. and Canada. My name is Chelsea Regan, and welcome to the Bookmark Podcast. Today, I'll be talking to author Tiff Marcello, whose latest book, The Holiday Switch, is a warm and cozy holiday romance, complete with a picture-perfect small town, a frustratingly adorable love interest, and an accidental phone swap that reveals some closely held secrets. And if that weren't enough, the main character even has a holiday book blog. It's literally like this book was written just for me, so I am very excited to get to talk to Tiff all about it. So let's get started. Hey, Tiff, thanks so much for chatting with me today. Hi, Chelsea. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored. (laughs) Of course. I loved your book. I'm so excited to talk all about it. Before we get started, if you could just give our listeners just a brief introduction to you and to your latest book. Yeah. So my name is Tiff, and The Holiday Switch is my eighth novel. But the genre that I actually began my publishing journey on is romance. And so I have romance books out as well as contemporary fiction books out. This year, in fact, I published a contemporary fiction in March and then contemporary romance in August and the holiday switch, which is YA in October. So it's like a whole gamut this year. But the holiday switch is YA. It's a paperback original. So it's nice and short. It's a holiday book about Lila and Teddy. And it's a rivals to romance set in upstate New York in this fictional town called Holly, New York, where Lila works at an inn called the Bookworm Inn, where a movie was shot. And the movie was called Holiday by the Lake. So Lila's in her senior year of high school, and she's really wanting to earn her coins for college. She wants full-time hours for her winter break. And then she finds out this dude, Teddy, which is the innkeeper's nephew, is coming to work at the end and pretty much took her hour. So that's where it all begins. But then as the synopsis says, they switch phones and then they figure out they have way more in common than they had anticipated. And that kind of brings them closer. She gets to know more about Teddy and more about herself in the process. Yeah, and it really is such a good, we were saying before we started recording, just a good weekend wrapped in a blanket, drinking hot cocoa (laughs) kind of book. Perfect for this time of the year. I was really curious what inspired you to write a holiday-themed romance. Are you someone who enjoys holiday-themed things all year round, or how did you decide for that to be the focus of this book? I'm definitely like a seasonal person, so I don't read holiday books throughout the year, and I only really look for holiday stuff 
close to Thanksgiving, really. But I've always wanted to write a holiday book. I've always wanted to write about snow and tinsel. And when I got this opportunity to be able to write it and to be able to pitch it as a holiday book, because, you know, everything publishing is about timing. So to be able to pitch it at a specific time so that it could be a holiday book is so special. And when my agent said that, hey, this might be the time, I'm like, yes, please. And I actually wrote this during the holidays because of how schedules go out. I wrote this like November-ish for this year's release. So it was perfect timing. My kids were already starting to bring up the holiday decorations. And so I really got into the mood and it was smack in the middle of the pandemic. So it was like October, November, 2020 that I began writing this book and it just took me away. The first thing that came to me is Holly, New York. That town came to me fully flushed as this holiday town and kind of everything blossomed from it because I figured, wow, to live in a place like that, it has to be like school spirit times 100, right? Because everybody has to work to make sure this town runs. And by doing that, everybody's got to have spirit in them. So I definitely like keyed into that and leaned into it. Holly in the book is a place that I really, really wish exists because it sounds like such a fun, they kind of make fun of the tourists a little bit, yeah. but at the same time, it sounded like such a fun place to visit. <laughs> so I was curious, is it based on like any kind of real town that you've been to, you know, asking so that I can go look that town up and go visit it? <laughs> you, you know, actually, no, the way I thought of it was, you know, so we go to the beach a lot during the summer. We have an RV. My family like drives to the Outer Banks one time a year, and we stay for a week, sometimes two weeks, to just take in the beach. And I remember, like, a long time ago, just walking through the beach town going, man, these locals must not like us. You know what I mean? Because vacationers come between, what, May and maybe September, right? Because summer is that long. And so when I envisioned Holly, it was sort of like that, but flip-flop. Like, what if people came to that town just for the Bookworm Inn and for Christmas town and holiday town versus like going to the beach because of the beach. And so I kind of pumped it up. So, you know, there are carolers at each entrance and exit of the town. And so it was just such a fun thing to think of. And I even drew a map, you know, for my own benefit, because I wanted to see like where the town square was and where the trolley was running through because they have a trolley there and all of that stuff. Yeah, it felt very, like, fleshed out <laughs> as you were reading it. It feels so real. But, yeah, I love that comparison. It's like a beach town for Christmas. Like, right. that's such a good comparison. I hadn't thought about that, but it's so much fun. So I was also wondering, because you mentioned Lila works at this really cool, like, cozy-sounding inn. It's the location of this sort of fan-favorite holiday romance, and people come to experience it and see where their favorite things were filmed and get to relive the movie. Yeah. I was wondering, while you were writing that, if there were any kind of, like, books or movies you were thinking of that you were like, I would love to go live yeah. in the set of or, or get to, like, take my picture at the, like, dock where it happened or whatever it might be. Well, you know what's interesting is that one of our another RV vacation is that we went to go see the location of the Christmas story with like Ralphie and that house and the leg lamp on the window. So we actually went to that house and I remember like standing there going, oh my gosh, this is where it all happened. I tried to go for that feeling because I'm a fangirl at heart anyway. Like I, I love watching Dawson's Creek, 
like I want to be able to go and go to everywhere in that town Dawson went to. I want to climb into Dawson's house, you know, that kind of thing. So I was thinking about all of these things about this town and this inn that everybody wants to go to. And I was wondering, well, what if we filled it with all the memorabilia from this movie that everybody loves so much? I love movies like the one with Jude Law, The Holiday. So I love that movie, how there's the two houses and how you knew when you were in there, right? It was a specific feeling. And so it was just a combination of all of these movies and shows where I've fallen in love with both the location as well as the characters. Yeah, no, for sure. Also, I would happily go to a Dawson's uh, Creek <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. Because whenever I get that, it's just a hit or miss. It's like sometimes there are people who are like, Dawson's Creek, really? But I'm like, no, you don't understand. I still watch that today. And, you know, even the Vampire Diaries, I mean, it's kind of a little bit more gory than a holiday romance. But just that whole the feeling of that town is there. And it's like its own character. So I really wanted to lean into that for this book. Your book definitely gives me a little bit of that Gilmore Girls, Stars Hollowy vibe, too. Just those iconic towns that you think of where you're like, man, I would love to visit there. And I love, too, that part of it is that the woman who owns the inn in this town have embraced the fact mm-hmm. that they've got fan girls and boys coming mm-hmm. to visit them. Because I think that's so much more fun than, like, poo-pooing the people who are coming to visit. And I love that Lila's also a fan of the book. Like, she works in this place, and at the same time, she's so excited to get to meet the actors and see all the same things that the fans are. It was so much fun. Well, she's definitely a major fangirl. I mean, she's a fangirl through and through. She loves to read books. She loves to talk about books. And then she works at a place where she has her own library. And then she's looking up to this woman, to Mrs. Velasco, says, wow, she's really made something out of herself. Because it's not conventional by her terms or by her parents' terms or by anybody's terms. She created the fandom, and it's kind of neat. It's like they all kind of come together. The characters, I write them, but they kind of come together on their own. It makes me happy for Lila. You know what I mean? It makes me happy for Miss Alaska. I would love to visit there, too. (laughs) Yeah, if this was a real place, I'd be booking a trip, which I guess is also kind of the point of your book of, like, how much fun it is to get to visit the place and books that we love. There's, like, some meta thing going on there. Yeah. And you mentioned, too, so Lila's a huge book fan. She has her own library, and she also is an anonymous book blogger. Yep. So I was wondering, because you're a podcaster yourself and a writer and kind of, like, live in the book world, did Lila's passion come from passions you yourself either have or, like, maybe had at her age? How did you sort of develop that element of her character? Yeah, I, you know, I wrote a lot of diaries when I was younger, and that's really how I processed Even before I knew I wanted to write, I was already, like, writing little stories, but then it was really coming from my own life. Like, I would make up little stories because I was frustrated or upset or happy about something that's going on in my real life. And then I really joined the blogging community, like, when it first came about in the early 2000s. And back then, it was, like, blogging rings. That's how we got to know each other. So it was, like, 12 or 14 mommy bloggers. And all we did is read each other's blogs and comment on it. And every once in a while, we would cross over with another set of mommy bloggers. This is before it suddenly was to the public, like, for real, for real, in public. And I loved it because it was a way for me to talk about things at a time when I was feeling a little lonely. And then that transformed itself. I moved over to Blogger. And after that, I moved over to WordPress. So it was 10 years of blogging. And it spanned a whole part of my life where I was mom and then I learned how to quilt. And I literally, I 
documented my entire quilting adventures and then I started knitting and I started documenting my knitting adventures and then the book started to come in and then after that when I started realizing I could write a book then I started doing less blogging and more writing of novels but it really came from that and it wasn't just me that was blogging and writing I had so many friends that I got to know that did the same things like there's so many of us that that's how we process we process by writing things down and by sharing our stuff. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to tell somebody how you're feeling about a specific thing. And it's nice to be able to get the feedback back in the comments. Like, I totally felt that way. And it's so different from social media. It was just a little bit more cathartic because you had to write and then edit and then edit and then edit and then post and then wait. It was a great time. I think Lila definitely uses it in a very similar way in the book, yeah. where it's more of a journal for her than it is to get attention or to, like, go viral or whatever it might be. And I actually had a question about that, too, because in your book, you discuss not only advantages and opportunities that we all think of when we think about putting our work and our thoughts out onto the Internet, but she's an anonymous book blogger. And with that comes the anxiety and the issues that can come with putting yourself out onto the Internet Right now we live in this time where it can feel like the most important thing is to be known online and have your work be viewed by millions of people. And from what you just described, blogging is kind of a little bit different than that. But I was curious as to why you decided to include the anonymous aspect and maybe the more cautionary side. Yeah, you know, I think it's because there are two sides to everything, right? I embrace social media and the internet and all of that. I feel like I really grew into it because it was part of my generation to grow into it. But even like with my teenagers and when I talk, I have three teens and we talk about this all the time. We're very open about what should be private and what should be public. And they even struggle with it. And they actually are online way less than me because they actually value their privacy more. And they talk about the pitfalls and being vulnerable. So I think that my own experiences being online and their experiences really kind of informed and I wanted to explore that. There are two sides. It's wonderful, but also it can be pretty taxing, emotionally taxing. It's really interesting, like as we go into this whole internet space and it's amazing, at the same time, you know, there's there's a lot that we give up. And Lila, even though she's struggling with whether or not to go public, because a lot of it is that a lot of her expression is because she's anonymous. Because it's so much easier to be able to say what you feel when no one knows that it's you. Because you can be more honest. And I find that way, too. Like, when I'm writing my books, if I just take myself out of the equation, I feel like I can write better, too. I mean, it's something I definitely, when I started writing for Bookstacked and then doing the podcast, too, it's, I think everyone who's, even anyone who's just on social media, but anyone who's putting out, like, longer yeah. things about, like, what they think has definitely spent, has definitely at least had the thought of, like, Maybe I won't publish this under my name. Maybe I'll use a different one. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'll start a Instagram that's not my name or yeah. maybe I'll start a Twitter that's not my name. And and I think there's there's real value to that. And I really loved reading a book about someone who was getting something from the internet that wasn't like notoriety. She yeah. really was not concerned about how many people were reading it or how popular it was making her or whatever that might be. It really was just about like she was getting something out of sharing this and anybody who also could get something out of it was like more than welcome to. I also love for her blog, just how niche it is. I love that. It's like a holiday specific <laughs> blog. I thought that was so much fun. I was just wondering, does it come from you having these very niche blogs about like knitting yeah. and, and things like that? It's so niche. I mean, you can find a community 
with however niche it is. And not only that, so in this research, it wasn't horrible research at all. If you really looked at how many holiday books are out there, there's a lot. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot in the indie space too, especially in the indie space where there's so much freedom in whatever you want to write. And lots of folks don't go there initially because we look at whatever's on the shelves first or what hits the lists or whatever. But if you look at the indie works out there, you're like, man, even if I read three books a year, I would still have a million books to read about the holidays. It was really fun. And I do, I actually think that the more niche something is, the more community you find or the stronger community you find, right? Because everybody is just really loving that little thing. Like the romance community alone will show you, even though romance is not niche, but Romance Landia is such a strong community. Yeah, I can imagine if you can pinpoint something like that that makes you as happy as reading holiday stories made her. If you find other people who also are that happy, you're just going to create something really, really great from that. Um, Oh, yeah. Especially like fandom, like those who write in fan fiction. I mean, that's they show you already how niche things are and then how many stories explode from that one show, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Fan fiction will show you just how niche things can get. Still find many people who are right there with you. And I love, too, that throughout your book, we get to read posts from her book blog. It was really fun because it tells you a lot about what she's thinking and what she's going through. and But also, they just sounded like really fun books. <laughs> I was like, I would read some of these. Maybe I should read more holiday books. Maybe I'm missing out on something. I was wondering, are any of those book ideas that you've, like, did you just write those for the holiday switch? Or are any of those book ideas you might have? Like, might we get to read some of those later? Those are only for the holiday switch. What I did was... <laughs> To create those blog posts, I just thought of all the tropes because she likes to put out the tropes, right? Because their blog's called Tinsel and Tropes. And I just was thinking of all the tropes that I loved, and I was like, okay, what should I do from this? Now, in terms of another story from this book, I would love to write Holiday by the Lake. I would love to write that then and now love story. You know, Nicholas Parks, but with no death. You know, like just romantic back and forth and the sadness and the second chance romance and, and all the drama all near the bookworm room. Now, that would be amazing if I have time, if anybody would want to buy that book. I don't know, but maybe I'll just do it just for me. <laughs> you know? I was going to say, I think that book could do really well just like self-published. <laughs> I know, I'll be like, hmm. Yeah, that one definitely felt... The more and more I read your book, the more I was like, I wish this was a movie or a book I could watch or read. I really was really craving more holiday story, and that was exactly what I wanted. Because all the little, like, teasers she gives about what happens in it, I'm like, oh, that would be so much fun. It does, exactly, like Nicholas Sparks, but without the death. I mean, (laughs) that's not the dream. I don't know what it is. It's like the notebook that really everybody lives. I mean, you know. And holiday. And holiday. What else could you want? I mean, yes, I would very much be rooting for that book to be a real thing, for sure. (laughs) Switching gears just a little bit. Every romance, you got to talk about the boy. Teddy is such a fun love interest. I liked him because he does have that rivals to lovers thing going on. But I also just loved how once they both learn a bit more about each other and learn what's going on in the other person's life, they really support each other in ways that are, like, so grounded and so in moments where the other maybe doesn't totally trust what they're doing. The person is really there for them, and I'd love to see that. But I'm always just with romances especially curious of how when a writer creates their leading lady and they've got this, like, awesome character, how they put together a sparring partner. I was really curious, how did Teddy come to be? So in this book, Lila definitely came first. So Lila is this headstrong 
young lady. She knows what she wants, or she thinks she knows what she wants. And she's eldest born of a rambunctious set of twins and a sassy little sister. There's so much noise in her house, like actual noise. This is how I see it, right? There's so much noise in her house that for her to be able to pay attention, this person has to be different enough from her. So Teddy was born of that. He had to be different. However, he also had to be in the core the same because Teddy is, is not necessarily type B. He's just not Lila's way. But he is equally passionate with his own things. And he has his own real thoughts about certain subjects, right? So that, that's how they clash. But he's a little bit more how he approaches things is that he's not like mega aggressive. Whereas Delilah's just like, let's go. And he's like, okay, hold up. Think about this. So I really needed to have him compliment her, but at the same time, be right up there with her. There's a scene in the book where she sees him at work in his element and she's like, whoa. <laughs> and, you know, like she's dually impressed. She's impressed. And then her next thought is, why isn't he like that at the end? In my opinion, that like encapsulates Teddy. It's like she's so impressed with him, but she doesn't understand why he's not doing it when she wants him to do it. So he had to be excellent but just in a different way. And, of course, they both needed to have flaws. And I wanted to make sure that they saw each other for their flaws, and that's okay. They supported each other as they worked through them. They can't be perfect. At the same time, there needs to be a little bit of understanding and acceptance. And I think because they kind of know each other's secret, they realize, okay, I can't judge him because I'm doing it too. So um, there has to be understanding, but at the same time, like, they push each other to try to be better. Yeah, and Teddy just, he's just cute. He's just he is really cute. No, <laughs> definitely. I also, I like that there's something definitely a little tropey about, like, they're working at an inn together, and she's training him, and he's not very good at what she's trying to train him to do. But I like that in yours, it's kind of like, it's not that he's not good. He has other suggestions. Like, he wants to do things a little bit differently, and she's very, like, type A, have to stick to the rules do it the way I've always done it. And he teaches her a few things. So she's like, oh, I guess so. And you'll hear it too, where she's like, I guess he's right. But I want to be the one that's right. It's very much the way I think most people are, where they're like, oh, <laughs> I guess I have to learn from him. But I still think I'm right most of the time. Yeah, it was fun to write. He was so much fun to read because I think he just, he did challenge her in such a fun way. And I love that your book too, the like secrets, that they're both keeping, they weren't secrets from each other. Cause I'm definitely someone who will like yell at a book, like just talk about it. Like yeah. Yeah. one conversation could solve a lot of issues here. And I love that that wasn't the situation in your book. It was like, they both knew what was going on in each other's lives and were trying to help us as best they could. And along with Teddy and Lila, your book has some fantastic other characters. You mentioned them before, but I really love Lila's family. She's the oldest sister. She has three younger siblings. And she kind of, like, helps her mom and dad, especially, like, the sort of dynamic that the family had and especially the holiday traditions just all felt so lived in that it just made me wonder, like, was that similar to how maybe your family growing up or maybe your family now with your kids, how you guys handle the holidays? And also, I loved the idea in your book of a holiday bucket list. And I was wondering <laughs> if that's something you've ever, like, experienced before or if that came to you as you were building Holly, because that's definitely something I would want to, like, put together for yeah. sure. Well, the traditions and stuff, those traditions are real. This was the one of the most fun things about writing this book was putting in my own traditions, either the traditions that I grew up with or the things I celebrate now with my family. 
like Nochebuena. So that is, I know, after we come back from mass, we have a big meal, even if it's late. So even if we do like a midnight mass, we come back and we have something to eat. And then we open presents the night before, and then we open the rest of the presents on Christmas Day. Leftover Christmas and leftover Thanksgiving also for our family is a real thing because you have so many leftovers. And so you invite everybody over for everybody to bring their leftovers. But the things to do in Holly, okay, so we like to travel a lot. That is the bucket list that Lila and Teddy and her friends try to accomplish. But, you know, whenever we go to a new place, we always look at those lists. Like things to do in New York City or things to do in Austin, Texas. And we do, like my family, we like to see what we can accomplish. So it made sense. I'm like, Holly should have a list. And because everybody's leaving for college soon, Lila and her friends thought, well, maybe this is a good time to tackle this list. And it's nuts. It's all the touristy stuff. You know, like make an ornament with Mrs. Claus. Like, why would you make an ornament with Mrs. Claus? Why would you spend $50 to make an But you do. I've gone to those things where, you know, you walk in and it's a little kitschy, and but you have fun anyway. And you spend a lot of money doing something you could have done at home, but you do it anyway. Yeah, I'm definitely also someone who looks at those lists and tries to cross them off. I think that's why I was like, yep, that sounds about right. Um, I really, I love the joke you had when they went to go see Santa, where it was like, if you're over 50 pounds, you can't sit on this class. (laughs) I was like, that's a good rule. (laughs) Because poor Santa. I mean... Because there's a, there are a lot of kids that are over 50 pounds. <laughs> be like, and what defines as a child? You know, is that under 18? Is that under 15? <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of heavy weight on Santa's lap if yeah, you're not restricting like, no. it. <laughs> no, and I, I love that they enjoyed those. Like, I love that those were joyful moments for them because I think you can't quite believe what you're doing. It's always kind of silly, yeah. usually kind of weirdly expensive. But at the same time, like, those are the things you remember, yeah. like, laughing your way through those moments. Once you leave for school, you know, once you leave high school and you go to college, it is the end of a season. You know, you, yes, you're going to come back home, summer vacation. Yes, you're going to come back for college. But things change. There's that feeling of this season in high school that is gone after you return. I mean, I feel it now when my kids come home from college. You know, and they'll even say, like, when they come back and then they see their friends, they're like, yeah, it's just different. I'm like, I know, right? It's just really different. (laughs) So they're just trying to recapture, like, that innocence of, like, accomplishing this bucket list before they go off to school. Yeah, you definitely captured that feeling really well, that, like, Christmas or that holiday season in the middle of your senior year when it's, like, things are going to be different. This is going to change, and you want to, like, hold on to it as long as you can. So we're going to wrap things up here. But my last question is, along with being a romance, your book is also really about recognizing that it's okay to change your mind and to go after what's important to you, even if it's not initially what you thought was important to you or other people don't think maybe it should be as important or even you aren't sure you think it should be as important. And it just felt like such a relatable struggle. It's definitely something I've thought about. And I know you have sort of dual careers of being both a writer and nursing, Mm -hmm. which I would think very different skill sets and separate education and everything like that. I was wondering how you sort of found a balance between those two and also if there's any advice you would give to someone like Lila who's struggling to figure out how do I balance? Do I have to pick one over the other? What voice in my head do I follow? I think you just approach that so well in your book. And I was just wondering if you had any more you'd want to say about that. 
Yeah, I feel like I talk about this a lot because I'm still going through it, right? I think that you can change your mind is something that, that I still think about today. And I'm 46. It's something that I thought about a lot growing up because I had to make choices. I wanted to write much earlier in my life, but I followed the guidance of my parents and do not regret it, but understand that I had to take steps to change my mind to get back to writing and to get here. So I think that it is a timeless thing for me to experience. And it's something I talk about with my kids and with my husband, with my friends, because we all can change our minds at any time. And I don't feel like there is a time limit as to how many times that we can reinvent ourselves. So I believe that you can be anything, but not all at the same time. And I think that the needs come first, obviously, because you've got to eat and you've got to sleep someplace, right? These things are real things, but it doesn't mean that the love for whatever you want to do or the hope that for what you want to do in the future, that doesn't mean it has to leave you. Something that I think about all the time, even on my daily basis, like if I'm doing something and I'm like, okay, am I stuck to this premise? Am I stuck to this lot? Or can I really change my mind? And most of the time, yes, you can but it just takes a lot of communication. I think that that's the thing. Like, yes, you can change your mind, but you got to tell people. (laughs) Like Lila has to tell her mom and Lila has to tell her dad and Teddy has to tell his parents because they had already changed their minds. Essentially, Teddy had already changed his mind, but he's got to tell somebody. I think that's the hardest part though, right? Yeah, and fear of what someone might say or the judgment that you might get. But I've always found, too, like, usually the worst judgment is the one in my own head. It's what I think people are going to say or what I think is wrong with whatever I'm doing or the decision I'm making or the change that I'm making. When usually you tell the people who actually care about you and they're like, cool. Like, (laughs) again, like, as long as you have a place to sleep and food to eat, like, Yeah, I think that's what it is. That's why I say I don't regret it is because – you know, you can say, well, wow, you spent all this time and you didn't make your career change until you were 40. But at the same time, it's like, I don't have any regrets because I'm healthy and I've been able to fulfill a lot of the other things I wanted to do, but I never did forget. I just kept writing throughout. So I think that's what it is. is and that's what Lila did. She continued to write. I mean, even though she wasn't meaning to make it as part of her dream per se, but she was just following her instincts of doing what she really wanted to do. Yeah, and that voice can be really hard to listen to sometimes. And For sure. I love that you wrote a character and a story about listening to those instincts can lead you down some pretty cool paths. Yeah. Always a good move to listen to whatever whatever you do that makes you, like, genuinely happy, the thing that, like, keeps yeah. you up at night because you like doing it so much. Yeah, probably... and being open to a switch. You just never know what a switch is going to do. And I think that's what it is for these two characters. They had no idea. That one phone switch would change them in a matter of an afternoon. Absolutely. I think the perfect place to stop. This was so much fun. I could keep talking about your book for a while, but we do have to wrap things up. Thank you. Yeah, of course. We always like to end things. If you could let our listeners know where they could learn more about you and your books. For sure. The jump off point is my website. It's tiffmarcello.com. But if you were to pick a social, hop on to Instagram. That's where I'm most active. And that's also Instagram.com forward slash Tiff Marcello. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Tiff. It was so much fun getting to speak with you. And I can't wait for more people to check out the holiday switch as we go into the holiday season. Oh, you're so amazing. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Of course. 
And thanks to all of you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We're at BookmarkedYA. You can also follow Bookstacked on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you like the show, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Plucky Bookmark. I hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.